I'm Kyler McDaniel of Fangraphs.com, and on the other line, he's been tweeting badly for Adley for years. It's Eric Longenhagen. Hello. Yeah, I guess probably for a while now. Yeah, I mean, but you could, can't, you can't could be tweeting the, the actual hashtag, or you could just be t- tweeting badly. It, it could be taken multiple ways. I've been tweeting badly. <laughs> Although I did make, like, the, I guess what could only be described as, like, a highbrow jizz joke <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Did, did I mention this is a free-flowing conversation yeah. for some ages? I don't know. Probably not Should I use a synonym? Should I go through some synonyms? <laughs> yeah. Jeff Garland, why don't you run through a lot of these for us? Spunk. <laughs> Hold on. I've opened up Urban Dictionary. I'm going to check these off as Yeah, we go, go ahead. You do that. Oh, speaking of Urban Dictionary, uh-huh. uh, there is a – there's a woman who's like a, a state representative here in Arizona whose name is Kelly Townsend. Who has like multiple times uh, had issues saying or doing things that have meanings that she doesn't realize? Oh boy. Um, so like uh, she had she became involved accidentally in the furry community <laughs> uh, like last year because of stuff that she said that she didn't realize like that it, it meant different things. Uh, and then this week she was doing some protest and she. Uh, put like temporary teardrop tattoos on her face, mm. <laughs> and she was like on the the state senate floor with these. She's a fascist. It's okay to laugh at her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone Google Kelly Townsend. Like she is. Everyone went to high school with someone like Kelly Townsend. Um, yeah, I mean, she's in her, in her defense, part of the country. <laughs> in her defense, if you're not like really on the internet, you're probably not going to know what a furry is. <laughs> like I kind of wish right. I didn't know, but. But yeah, if yeah. you're going to be like a public-facing sort of thing, you have to be aware of when you're being trolled. Yeah, if people aren't hurting anyone, it's fine. So like, you know, if uh, we welcome people of all anythings that like to listen to the podcast, but except unless uh, if Kelly Towns is listening to this, you should turn it off. Well, this is uh, this is quite a start <laughs> to this week's podcast. It's late. Yeah, if you can't tell, we're, we're recording late at night. Well, so this is going to be a, uh, I guess last week, uh, the beginning of season two was a prospects week focus, which was mostly minor leaguers. And this week will be mostly drafts since the minor leaguers essentially aren't doing anything. And this is the beginning of the college season and really the beginning of the high school season. Like they've all just kind of gotten going in the last week or two. And the JC season, we, I guess we touched on a little bit, but it's still, uh, still cooking pretty good. So I guess we'll start with the top of the draft, because uh, now that we've had about a week since we put out rankings, there's been more movement than I anticipated, and so we'll start at the top, where there hasn't really been movement per se, but but there may be in the rankings that we will be releasing, uh, I guess, after the weekend. So Eric, you saw our consensus, uh, well, our number one, the industry seemingly consensus number one prospect, uh, Adley Rutschman, the catcher at Oregon State this week. What did you think? So that's a lie. Rutschman... I did not see Rutschman because I was elsewhere and was supposed to start to see him today, but it was rained out. Uh, so I will see four games of him this weekend. But I did speak with people who were in surprise to see him this week, and he looks incredible. Uh, he is as advertised, you could argue, um, even better, just from like a swing, like an extension and uh, rotation standpoint, like from a flexibility standpoint, he looks better. Uh, very exciting. Uh, He's the top of the board still. I, I, there's there's no reason to move him. Uh, but yeah, 
Uh, we we got rained out today. We only got like um, one and a half of innings of the Cactus League opener in today because of rain and uh, the Nebraska Oregon State game that I was supposed to go to today was banged as well. So uh, I'll see Adley this weekend. But all the reviews from last week are incredible, and he is still the consensus number one, and may even like be there might be a gap uh, between him and whoever ends up right behind him. I although we'll see. Because uh, you're gonna, you're, we're going to talk about a couple guys here soon who I think are are excellent as well. Wait, so just to recap, all these games are getting rained out, and you live in the desert. Is that correct? Yeah, it's been weird. It's been weird here. It's been like in the 50s during the day, cloudy, rainy, several days in a row, uh, beneath freezing at night and into the early morning hours. Um, and it even snowed like just north of Scottsdale today. Like they got snow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's super weird here. Um, Can't be global warming, but, bro. It's too cold. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> but yeah, hey, can, uh, I, can I run for state representative in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely <laughs> could. You could also, and if you if you want to uh, take money out of uh, the public education system and put it into your own pocket, you have an even better chance of doing that. Ooh, I'm interested in that. There you go. Google Eddie Farnsworth. <laughs> Just follow that template. Uh, you also, well, I, I thought you saw Adley. Uh, I guess I just saw all of Twitter seeing Adley and the people I talked to seeing Adley, and I knew you were going to get him this week. But uh, you did see Andrew Vaughn, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Vaughn. What'd you have there? Uh, he's amazing. We yep. we hate this we hate this profile, right? But this is the type of guy like it's plus power, it's all fields, it's plus hit, and it's like elite. Play discipline, it's not just ball strike recognition. It is, oh, that's a strike that I can't do damage with, so I'll just let that go by. And it's not um, a DH. It's like he can actually play first base. Okay. Yeah, the swing is really athletic, but he is a 40 athlete. Um, but, uh, you know, and the body's maxed out and all that stuff. I don't really care. I just – I put a – Paul, you know, I don't like uh, comps, but, like, I have a Conurco comp on him. It is just, like, all fields, power with a super elite approach – um, and so I love him. I think he's he's a very safe, uh, quick moving, like middle of the order hitter, um, and, and I think he'll be in our top five all spring. That that Cal team, by the way, is horrible. Yeah, he's, I, I remember seeing them two two falls ago, and I thought they were kind of interesting. And basically, none of the players I liked have progressed at all. So yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what Brand, happens. Brandon McIlwain, who you and I are both very intrigued by, he was a guy who was like a, you know two sport high schooler uh, committed to South Carolina to play quarterback. Uh, very little baseball experience, but still was performing, even though it, it looked like he clearly had no idea what he was doing at times. He was still just so talented physically that he was performing uh, in high school. He graduated early, went to South Carolina. Stuff didn't work out, transferred to Cal. Um, you know, he like was in a quarterback timeshare at Cal. He's traveling with the baseball team. Like I saw him pinch run last week, but he's not playing. He's just one of the more interesting physical talents on that team. I don't know why he's not playing. Uh, please let uh, Brandon McIlwain play if you're you know if the Cal coach is listening to this like what the hell is this going to be our version really... of free Weezy is it going to be free McIlwain yeah I want to like I really want to see him yeah I'll say I saw him at that that time I saw them a, I don't know a year and a half ago on the fall and he was fine like the tools were still present but just his timing was not good it was I mean it was kind of what you described like it just it looked like he hadn't played in a while and from talking to people that were sort of around the program it seemed like that was how they saw it too so I guess it's possible he just continues to not get enough reps to improve or maybe the field was never going to be there I don't know it's it's a bit of a mystery but uh, he definitely seems like a guy that a pro team will be much more interested in than a college team that needs him to perform right now yeah so 
So Those go- are the top two guys I saw. I would say, going back to Vaughn real quick, I, we've oh, talked yeah. about how we hate this profile. And uh, not only do we sort of not like the profile, baseball itself does not seem to like the profile. Like, obviously, the we've talked about Peter Alonso, who's not exactly the same player. But in general, the sort of right-right, first-base-only kind of guy um, is, whereas, you know, Vaughn probably has a little better hit and plate discipline tools and Alonso has a little more power. And Vaughn's probably a little, yeah. little better athlete, a little better first base. Anyway, not the same guy, but similar idea. Um, so we don't like that profile in general because it doesn't necessarily age well. So you can't really project as much. It'll peak early, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's no margin for error. Exactly. And the industry itself is like, I mean, CJ Cron's getting traded for nothing even after he hits. And, you know, guys are getting sort of DFA'd and given away even after, even after having good seasons. So, like, the industry and us uh, both don't really like this profile. On the flip side... I think among at least the professional prospects, people on the internet, we tend to be a little higher on performance guys and guys that will get there quickly and be really good in year zero to three when they're making the minimum. So I wonder if those two things balance out and we end up being sort of the, you know, on the internet, the sort of middle opinion on him and, you know, above some teams and below some teams. Do you think those things can kind of cancel out? I suppose so. Yeah. I just think that he'll end up being... I think we'll have a very clear idea of where he's going to go, just like we did with Bart. Yeah, um, like this team's definitely really on him. This team is kind of yeah. into it, but it's probably not going to take him. And yeah, yeah, I think it'll be that sort of situation where there's there are maybe two if thens, uh, like for a mock, let's say, um, and that's that's kind of it. Like I just I think this is someone's very safe top five pick. Yeah, and he he could very well be like a fifty or fifty five like right away, and then just basically never be more than that. I just took a quick uh, quick gander at the uh, first round order. Obviously, the Orioles at one we would think would you know not be locked into Rutschman, but that would that would be the favorite right now. The Royals at two wouldn't necessarily strike me as an Andrew Vaughn type, but then the White Sox at three would, and the Marlins yes. uh, I guess turning into more of a progressive team by the day. But we'll see if that affects their draft picks. You know, might do that. And then Detroit just took Mize, who was going to have like a, you know, quick to the big league sort of thing. So you, you would think there's what, two and a half of those five teams would make sense for Vaughn? Yeah. Um, like Bobby Witt with Kansas City seems to be. Yeah. Like that seems like a a type fit, you know. But they took a bunch of college uh, pitching last year, so maybe they want to lean college if possible. And they think this guy's going to be Hosmer. Like I could see that, right, that narrative popping right. up. Yeah. It seems like last year, you know, despite. Uh, the way that their draft picks and their draft pool sort of lined up and we anticipated that they would at least mix in some of these overslot high schoolers. They just stuck to their board and there was all this college pitching value left uh, when they selected. And yeah, they could very well do that sort of thing again. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Did you happen to hear anything about how Bryson Stott did? Uh, I know that he hit well, like he performed the opening weekend and then i don't even know if they played their two midweek games against ucsb because it snowed in vegas <laughs> yeah i heard about that yeah, yeah. No, i also heard positive things and yeah it, it sounds like he kind of held serve because i think we were worried is the the not great showing over the summer is, is that going to be like the trend it sounds like he sort of bounced back to what he was last spring which i think is what we had him ranked assuming and i think some people were the people that only saw him over the summer were lower on him than we were so it sounds like we've been uh, I guess in the very short term rewarded for leaving him where we thought he should be to uh, fill out this top five. Uh, I guess neither one of us has seen Bobby with, but it probably won't take that long. Um, CJ Abrams. I just saw him a couple hours ago. Um, I was getting early word from scouts around here that have seen him, that he has put on 
uh, we'll say good weight, strength, uh, those sorts of things. And after his first couple games, I was getting texts from guys saying, "Hey, are, have you been out to see this guy yet? Are you coming to see this guy yet?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's it's been super cold. I was I was going to wait a week or so. Like, should I go out now?" And they're like, "Yeah, you sh- you should come see him now. It's uh, it's pretty good." And I didn't get BP. I was told the BP it was. Probably 50 raw power. It was a similar package to Bryce Tarang, but probably a little more hit and a little more run, maybe a little less defense. Uh, and I was told that the um, the power is now above average, and you might even be able to project it to plus as he um, has a little weight. I mean, he's still he's still pretty wiry. Like there's probably another 10, 10 pounds or so he could put on, or maybe he just kind of you know stays thin. Um, I'm still not completely convinced at shortstop. I would say the actions are just all right. The uh, the arm in terms of having you know, different uh, slots and platforms and things like that. He wasn't tested a lot in the game, but even in infield, it was a little inconsistent. So, like, I mean, I can still see yeah. why guys are saying they're not sure it's a shortstop, but, I mean, he definitely can play center field. Like, there's not really a question, and I'm sure he, he could be at least average, if not above, at second base. So, you know, it's sort of in that Xavier Edwards area where it's like, oh, the guy can really run. He's going to play somewhere up the middle. Uh, I, I, I think Abrams can hit, probably. It's an above bat, and now there's a chance for above power. And I think that puts him pretty comfortably ahead of Terang and Edwards, who were, you know, mid to slightly later first rounders. And we had Abrams, I want to say fifth a couple weeks ago. And it sounds like he is now uh, in the conversation uh, in that top group, like behind Rutschman, but with Witt and Vaughn right there. And uh, the funny thing is uh, today's game was a rescheduled of a rain out, and it's been raining a ton in Atlanta the last few days. Um, so a lot of the high-level scouts left to go work where it's not as rainy, which in Florida there was a big matchup tonight. Um, but there were only a handful of scouts there, and Kansas City and Detroit were two of them who were picking two and five. So it sure seems like the – because I can say from from my experience on the team side, if you're picking high and there's a guy that you can early on identify as a candidate for your high pick, a lot of times it's make sure we have a body at every single game early. Every game. And, yep. yeah, two and five were the two teams I was sure were there. And I was like, okay, it would make total sense if after – you know, the director and the cross checkers and all these guys come in for the first couple of games, the kinds of guys that were talking to me probably said, Hey, go to every game until we tell you not to. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's just, it's, you said it, you know, it's up the middle somewhere there's field to hit and a non-zero chance. He grows into relevant power. And, uh, yeah, I think that belongs way, way up above, you know, some of these other guys who are either in a corner or there are questions about the bat or, uh, whatever. Um, yeah, it's just like a complete all-around player. And, and when you're uh, looking at the the high school hitter, you really want to have like the now skills, the projectability, the athleticism to give you some margin for error and up the middle. And he sort of gives you all that stuff. He's also not old. There's not really questions on the hit tool like there is with Bobby Way. Like you could see a team putting him too on their board. We'll have to you know go back and forth and check with some other people and see how all to dial this in. But I, I think he's still securely in the top five and maybe up a little bit. But it's sort of like splitting hairs with these guys at two, three, four, and five. The next group down, like Michael Bush had a good first week um, at, at UNC. Michael Togli at UCLA did not. Uh, Graham Stinson, the lefty at Duke, uh, the, his stat line against Lehigh was very good, but the velocity was down. It's early and it's kind of chilly, but he was only 88, like 93. Uh, so that is a thing to watch. And he's also switching uh, from bullpen to the rotation, so the question was sort of – right starter traits and stamina and so seeing the velo go down i mean he was four to seven at times in relief and we'd be touching eights and nines so that's i would say worrisome not like a red flag yet but if it's like this three or four weeks from now i think it might be a red flag other unfortunate events shay langliers the catcher at baylor broke a hamate 
Um, so that's going to sideline him for a while and may impact the power that he hits with when he does return. We've seen, you know, uh, Sean Murphy with the A's broke his handmate in college at Wright State, fell a little farther than he probably should have uh, because of it. So maybe it impacts where Langleyers go. Still think he's probably a first rounder uh, just based on like the defense and uh, some of the stuff he's done offensively in the past. Uh, Carter Stewart's velocity also down last uh, we checked on that was like two to four touch of six in his first two starts. And it was more what, like 90-92? Is that correct in his last start? Yeah, and I, I think I, I sent you a screenshot of one of the reports I got and it was about as negative as you can get. Yeah, yeah. 90, 90 to 93 would run it up to 97 but couldn't throw strikes there. So yeah, it was sort of sitting low 90s. Uh, also bad news, uh, Matthew Thompson, the very like athletic, graceful delivery high school righty uh, from Texas, uh, velocity was way, way down in his start tonight, like a couple hours before we recorded, recorded this podcast, uh, like his final inning, he was like sitting in the mid 80s. So kind of wait and see what's going on there. It is also, it's like freezing in Texas too right now. So like all of this stuff should be taken with a grain of salt. It's early. The weather is weird. Like all of these things factor in. Uh, but like, I'd rather he not be throwing in the mid eighties before he comes out. So, um, those are some of the, the guys like in the middle of the first round mix, uh, on the board right now who we're kind of monitoring, uh, as candidates to move down. And Matt Walner also has uh, a forearm that is keeping him from getting onto the mound. I think he might just be DHing and checked in with some scouts to th- see if we had him in the right spot. I want to say we had him in the later 20s. And uh, one of them said he heard that some teams prefer him as a pitcher, uh, which is not a great sign for the hitability questions of like you know the big power guy. So he's another guy to keep an eye on to see both how the pitching goes. Since he, I think he was just a closer, and although he's going to be starting this year. And then also to sort of monitor the health and sort of see if he can put it all back together. Because he's he's one of those guys that sort of fits in that, you know, somewhere between Chris Bryant and Bobby Dahlbeck. Where it's like, oh, it's huge power and he's produced. And if it really comes together, you know, Alec Baum or somewhere in there. Like he's somewhere on that continuum. We're not really sure where he is yet. What about guys you think, uh, like, who are not necessarily in that, like, top 20 area on the board right now that you think will shuttle up from, like, the... You know, anywhere from the 25 to 50 area and even behind that. So I think most of the movement that I was referring to that I was surprised by how much movement there's been is just a whole mess of arms moved up in the first week. Like you would think even like, you know, when you hear preseason, this guy's throwing hard. Like we were hearing like last year, Shane McClanahan was up real high for us. And we heard two weeks before the season that this guy was a guy to keep an eye on, that he was hitting 100 in scrimmages and stuff like that. And a lot of these guys like George Kirby at Elon, Seth Johnson at Campbell, Jackson Rutledge to San Jacinto GC in Texas, um, even Daniel Spino, high school kid in Georgia, we were kind of hearing stuff a couple weeks ago. Like, oh, probably want to keep an eye on this guy. Like, things are kind of moving in the right direction, you know, that sort of thing. And then a lot of them were just better than we thought they would be or just a lot of guys saw them and said, hey – we told you this guy might be in the 20s or 30s. Like, he's there right now. Like, move him now. Um, so, yeah, I guess we would start with uh, George Kirby at Elon, where it's basically all 55s and 60s with, uh, you know, compact arm action. And uh, looks like starter traits are there, if not the command presently being there. And we were told, hey, this guy might be a late first rounder. And everyone's like, yep, put him up there. Like, might be back half of the first round, might be in the middle. Like, it's, it's somewhere around there where I think he's sort of moved up into that top, you know, five or six um, pitchers in the draft. And we've heard Daniel, I haven't seen him yet, but apparently he'll be 
be pitching um, within a couple miles of my house. Uh, the Daniel Spino has been showing a better changeup, better command, and has been facing some high-level hitters and has been very successful with them, which is sort of, uh, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but from the scouts we've talked to, like, that answers all the questions I had about him over the summer. And we talked a little bit before about Jackson Rutledge at San Jacinto. I think I might be able to see him on the way back from the Fangraphs retreat. Uh, but he's a, a mountain of a man thrown real hard um, and looks like he might be able to start. Um, so he gets to move up there. And then Matthew Allen, a guy that we both kind of liked, a uh, high school kid in the Orlando area in Florida. Uh, I guess the concern is that he wasn't super projectable or huge or um, super athletic or, you know, yeah, it, it was sometimes like... have plus stuff and sometimes wouldn't. And then he came out and his oh, first yeah. start this year was 93-97 with a plus breaking ball. So it's like, oh, well, <laughs> that makes everything look a little better. Yeah, he over the summer he was one of my tougher evals because there were times when you'd watch him and there were no strikes and the body was like kind of soft and you're like okay well maybe this is a reverse projection guy but maybe there's no uh, like there's no projection here at all like I don't know if this is maxed out or not uh, and then his fi- the final start of the summer I saw he was like in the mid 90s the breaking ball was plus the changeup flash plus. Uh, he threw strikes like he was really excellent. You could see, oh, I could see how this might be the top high school arm in six months uh, because unlike at the time, Espino, who's got two plus breaking balls, like this guy does everything. Like there's an off-speed pitch here too. Uh, and so like depending on what flavor you like, maybe you prefer this guy. Um, and so, yeah, I think he moves up. Uh, I saw Eric Miller, the lefty at Stanford, wrote about him uh, on the site. So, like, the full report is there. But I also think um, his stuff is is much better than Chris Bubik, who the Royals took at 40 overall last year. Uh, you know, lefty out of Stanford, like, it's just a base level, like, comp to just kind of jump off and sort of get a feel for where this guy might go. And it should be well ahead of the 40th overall spot. We have him at 30 right now. I uh, think he probably belongs about there, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, Nick Lodolo at TCU um, and Brandon Williamson at TCU, who's a junior college transfer, who the Brewers took in the 36th round last year and couldn't get a deal done. Saw both of them over the weekend. Prefer Williamson, honestly. Uh, Lodolo, like I get it. He's a, a well-made 6'6". It's pretty easy, 92-94, which is up from his previous two seasons. He's got a plus breaking ball. He commands the breaking ball. Um, does not really show a desire to bury it for swings and misses. Didn't miss a whole lot of bats um, on Friday. So, I, you know, and the fastball also is not like a bat missing running fastball. Like it doesn't have life in the zone, doesn't really play in the zone. So I'm not really sure what he's going to be. Williamson really pitches. He's like 88, 92, touched some threes, uh, four pitches. Both breaking balls are at least average. Slider will show above. Changeup is consistently above. Uh, so I really like him. Um, you saw Alec Manoa, who is like basically just belongs with Jackson Rutledge. Like it's the same thing. Monstrous body, throws really hard. Breaking balls plus. Uh, so those guys will probably move together throughout the uh, the spring, assuming that they hold their stuff. And to put that in context um, for more of the minor league fans, those guys are both on the sort of Nate Pearson starter kit plan where obviously that can go a bunch of different directions, but having sort of the frame and the body and the stuff, like they're in that in that general area. So yeah, I think the thing that we talked about in our, in our hey, like here's our draft rankings before the season starts was uh, we're not, this college pitching group does not look super great right now. We're not sure who might emerge from it. 
you know, and there are different levels of emergence, right? Like, do you think anyone will do what Mize did last year, where he basically went from like the 25, you know, the 16 to 25 range, sort of, I think, in our pre draft or our preseason rankings, to like clearly the number one guy? Is there a guy in this draft class who like might do that? I don't. I, I think, think he, so. I think somebody would have to dominate the SEC or ACC to have a chance to do that to like show the level of pitchability. Because like he, I mean, he he'd show you three pluses, and like a lot, a lot of these guys on the right day Four. could show you three plus. Yeah, a lot of guys could show you like you know George Kirby. It sounds like he flashed that sort of stuff. It just wasn't consistent, and the command was you know all right. It sounds like you know Espino on the right day like might show you three pluses and some starter traits, but it's like he's a high school guy that you know throws throws a hundred and. You know, those guys don't work out very well. At least they haven't lately, or as long as we've had them, which has been lately. Um, yeah, I'm not sure a guy's going to have, the, or even Jackson Rutledge. If he pitches really well and just carves up JC, it's like, this guy couldn't yeah. get on the mound at Arkansas last year. So is somebody really going to th- shoot him up the flagpole when he couldn't pitch in the SEC last year? So yeah, I don't think there is that guy. Well, but and I agree with you, but I do think that what, we'll, what we've seen already is, hey, a bunch of these guys might move into like the middle or back of the first round. And I think it's going to be a lot of twos and threes. Like, pick the flavor you like. Because I think a lot of – again, we, we keep harping on this. that I think fans look at the rankings, whether it's ours or other people's, or just sort of average them all together. And then they'll see on draft day like, oh, well, you know, Libertor was, you know, 6th or 7th or whatever he was for us. And he was, you know, 8th or ninth at this other ranking. And then he went 16th. What happened? And it's like, well, it turns out when it's high school pitching, it's seen as like – you know, it's seen as – the most um, uh, risky demographic, which is, you know, generally accurate. And so certain teams will say, oh, we only take high school pitchers for a million dollars plus when they have X, Y, and Z. And it can be wildly different from team to team. Like some teams only like this sort of arm action or this sort of body. The medical stuff a lot of times is like, you know, we heard on some of these guys like, oh, uh, this guy is a slightly smaller UCL than this other guy. And so it was kind of a coin flip. So we went for the guy that we like the UCL more. And then you go ask another team and they're like, yeah, no, we didn't see that. Like our doctors didn't see any problem there. Like there's like a ton of tiny little things. And so you get tons of pitchers in the middle of the first round. Certain teams are just going to not be on two of them and really be on three of them. And then it'll be the exact opposite on the team behind them. So I think having you know, sort of a glut in the, in the in the middle of the round, you'll see some guys slip just because it's not like in those 10 picks, all 10 teams are on these guys in roughly the same order. Some of them are just not on them at all. Um, and there's actually a couple more that we didn't even mention that I think have jumped up into that area. Um, on the high school side, J.J. Goss, who is a teammate of Matthew Thompson, it sounds like it's pretty clearly ahead of him now because he's been 93-95 for three or four starts already and uh, has a plus breaking ball and is, again, showing sort of the starter traits and has some projection to his frame and um, it's probably behind Matthew Allen, but not by very much. And then on the, another high school guy, Hunter Barco, um, looked like, yeah. looked like he could be a top 10 overall guy. Some guys were saying he looked sort of like Bumgarner when he was an underclassman in high school in the Jacksonville area. And then over the summer, it was like almost throwing sidearm in like 88 to 91. And we're all like, that's not what yeah. we were expecting. It was and, weird. Yeah. And it was like a little different each time. And it was a, like, a little soft, but he also can hit. He's a good athlete. I'm like, all right, this will probably come around. And I was hearing positive things in the fall that some teams really still liked him in like the comp round area. And we had him in, I want to say, the 50s or right around 50. And apparently his first start, he was 90 to 95 with an above average break uh, slider and change, had a higher slot and everything was crisper and basically like addressed all the issues that we had all in his first start. And so now he's probably back into the first round, I guess. And uh, as we're recording, I think IMG is still playing TNXL, two of the big academies in Florida. And yeah. Brandon Malone was sitting in the mid-90s and flashing a parse breaking ball and doing all the stuff that he did over the summer and you know still the control isn't quite there all the way but you know if you get two pluses out of a high school ready that's pretty athletic with a clean arm like those guys still go pretty high 
And then we also just mentioned at the very beginning, Campbell righty Seth Johnson is a JC infield transfer to Campbell. Not exactly the subset of guys that you expect to blow up. And we had heard that he was into the mid to upper 90s with four pitches, essentially showing at another small school in North Carolina, similar stuff to the kid at Elon, George Kirby, like everything's above and might even be plus and is, you know, hitting some big numbers and might really be a guy. And it sounds like, you know, like you were saying, like this pitching class wasn't that great, especially the college pitching class. And then all of a sudden there's like five dudes that just like jumped right up into that group that weren't quite in there. Like we knew they could get there and they got there in like a week, which is, you know, exciting. Hopefully they don't slide back down, but it makes it a little more exciting to go track these guys down when there's dudes that are showing you two plus pitches and starter traits and we can't even find a spot for them in the top 20. Yeah, I'm, I think this draft class is exciting. Uh, I'd be very excited if I were an Arizona Diamondbacks fan right now. There's a lot of talent that is performing early. Like, no one has broken yet, right? Well, I guess that's not totally true. But, like, there hasn't been a rash of injuries and people haven't been disappointing so far. Like, like I'd say looking, I, at the very have, looking at the rings we have right now going into, like, the 30s, like, I feel – pretty good about almost all of those guys where I'm like, if I'm, if I have multiple picks in the top 30 and you're like, all right, you're going to end up with numbers 29, 30 and 31. I'd be like, yep, I'm good with that. I got that many guys I like. And we haven't even play hasn't even begun all over the country yet. Like there's still a bunch of interesting guys in like NorCal and in the Northeast and in the Midwest who, yeah, there's three or four who, high school arms in the Northeast that we've been told, Hey, when the thing thaws out in March, like these guys might be shooting up too. Yeah. So I, I'm, very excited. Um, who's who's someone? And I'll go first. So you, while while you uh, find a name, but who is someone who you think there is like a huge? There's still like a huge range where they might end up going. Um, my guy is Hunter Bishop at Arizona State, who I saw uh, last night. You know, he was part of this recruiting class at ASU that was like it was Bo Bichette and Reggie Lawson and. Uh, everyone but Bishop signed. Uh, Bishop's the only one who got to campus, and really that class not getting to campus uh, has shaped the fate, in my opinion, of like ASU's program in the short term. Uh, and like to be frank, it is kind of a mess. They only have 23 players on the active roster. Like I'm looking at the roster from last night's game against San Diego right now, uh, and like beneath the starting lineups, it lists like every reserve on the roster. And San Diego's is twice as long because so many kids have transferred away from ASU because their experience there was not what they anticipated or, you know, this and that. Like, it, it is kind of a mess. Um, but, like, having said that, there is – it's shallow, but there is talent on this team now. Um, Alec Marsh, their Friday night guy, looks pretty good, might sneak into the second or third round. It's, like, up to 94 with four good pitches and strikes. Um, you know, Drew Swift is a is a fantastic defensive middle infielder who's a sophomore, uh, who I liked coming out of high school, even though the bat is kind of light, like just a, a really good uh, defensive middle infielder. Spencer Spencer Torkelson, who's a 2020. You know, we're gonna talk about Torkelson next year the way we talk about Andrew Vaughn this year. It's first base only, but it's this, this, and this. They're all excellent. Uh, he you know he broke Barry Bonds' freshman home run home run record last year, and they moved the fences in this year. Uh, so like ASU has scored. 58 runs in their first four games. Is that good? Um, that's pretty good. Okay. Um, Hunter Bishop ran 4-2-8 with the turn for me yesterday. He is like 6-5-2-10, and that's like a 70 or 80 time from the left side. Uh, 
He also, after Trevor Hover, who I also like and has more walks than he has at bats right now as we're recording this. He's got like 10 walks in four games. Um, and Spencer Torkelson each walked to lead off the game. And Bishop swung at the first pitch of his first at bat. Um, but he popped, you know, it was like a lazy fly ball to straightaway left field that was also in the air for almost seven seconds. So, like, this is the guy where it could be nuts uh, because, you know, there just aren't many college bats with these kind of tools. Um, but he also, you know, has swing and miss issues and hasn't performed in his first two years. And, you know, who knows what this guy is going to be. But it's early. He definitely looks different. Uh, he is leaner and twitchier, and he is running really well for his size. Um, so he's very exciting athletically and someone that, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time watching all spring. I am interested in Cam Misner at Missouri. Uh, he did not play this summer. Uh, Missouri is not one of those teams that gets like so heavily scouted during the spring when he was an underclassman that everybody had a you know, set opinion on him. He had some contact issues. He had some nagging injuries. So it's just sort of like everybody, like we had him on our list, like I think even before his sophomore year, like, oh, we've heard that this is a guy to keep an eye on as like a power speed combo um, kind of guy. Uh, I think generally in sort of like the Grayson Janista, like somewhere in that general area, uh, but maybe yeah. with a little more upside. And I just pulled up his stats for his opening weekend. He went nine for 18 with two homers, six walks and a 1600 uh, OPS if you're into that. Um, so, you know, as far as like, how's this going to go? Like, that's a pretty solid start. Uh, and he'll be coming to Athens about an hour away from me in April. So I'll get a look at him then, but I'd imagine between now and then we'll probably figure out if this guy's going to be like a, you know, Hunter Bishop coming into the season kind of guy where it's, you know, tools, but not quite putting it together where somebody just takes a flyer on him in the second round. Or is it a guy that really goes nuts and, you know, becomes the Austin Beck, where everyone's not quite sure what it is, and then after about a month, everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is for real, this belongs in the top ten. Which it sounds like it's, it sounds like he's probably a corner outfielder, but runs enough that you can kind of stick him in center for a little bit, which is, you know, about Janisa played center fielder for Wichita State also. Um, but it sounds like there's a little, it's a little more dynamic at the plate. And, sorry, just looking at the, um, some of the hitters in, like, the middle of the first round, once you get to, like, Logan Davidson, Josh Young, Braden Shoemaker in that sort of 10 to 20 range, like, he could very well be there in, you know, three weeks. Like, that wouldn't shock me if once all the heavy hitters go in to see him and sort of decide what he is, you know, right before we get to go in to see him decide what he is. Um, if they say, yo, this guy's a five bat and he's got six raw power and he's going to play right field and he's hitting in the SEC and this is a thing. Um, so I guess, you know, what would that say? Anywhere from, like, 10 to 60 is probably his range right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's in Florida this week, right? So um, I'm sure there will be a lot of people in to see him. I mean, it's that's in Florida and Arizona right now. Like, if you go to a high profile college game, you're going to see, you're going to see people. Yeah. Um, who did I see this weekend? Uh, Rick Hahn, Chris Getz, most of the deep. I mean, it makes sense the D backs have all hands on deck, but like people in their pro department were out seeing games. Zach Greinke was at two games this week. Um, you know, Seattle's had a bunch of people at games. Oh, gosh, who else am I missing? Like, it's just – it's nutty uh, right now out here. So, you know, teams are around. They've got uh, – you know, spring training hadn't started yet. So if you've got a spare – you know, Keston Hura was at the ASU game last night on his own. Uh, just went to the game. Uh, he got the last hot chocolate 
this is the kind of breaking news people listen to the end of the podcast to get. Well, like I was going over to the well, my nose was running because it was cold, and so I went over to like where the the napkins were by like all the the condiments. And I was also thinking about getting hot chocolate because I saw people with it, and it was too late for a coffee. Um, and I walk over to like blow my nose, and my nose is running profusely, and there's Kesson Hura. And I'm like, "How much was that hot chocolate?" And he's like, oh, "I got the last one." Um, <laughs> he didn't even answer your I question. Him go sit down. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, but like, um, I didn't care. I watched him go sit down, and like he was on his own. <laughs> like, I just wanted to go watch a college baseball game. Uh, so like, stock up, Kesson Hura. Yeah, can't kick the habit. I, I hear it, man. <laughs> my hot chocolate. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very exciting. You know, there's a lot of, this stuff is on your, the interwebs folks. Like, you know, I'm not here to promote ESPN or anything like that, but like I, I will promote college baseball and there's plenty of it on, uh, probably as this podcast is being posted on Friday. Like, so go to your, you know, steal your parents cable login and go to watchespn.com and like see what there is to see, you know, cross-reference some of these schools with the board uh, because like there there are countless top fifty picks on uh, TV every weekend, and like this is a thing that like is just very underviewed in, in my opinion. Yep, and it wouldn't hurt us if there was you know every time if we were to tweet about Zion Williamson you know playing some high school game, people would just be going nuts and retweeting you know five thousand times, and for some reason the guy throwing a plus curveball in a high school game doesn't get quite the reaction. I'd love if that was the case. I'm sure the kids would like it too, but uh, you know yeah. Pay, pay attention to amateur baseball, friends. There's uh, some good stuff going on there. Um, well, the person that I was waiting on to call me just called me, so we'll have to wrap up. But uh, real quick, what are you going to okay. watch this weekend? What will be the games we see before we release some new draft rankings next week? My main focus this weekend is going to be Adley Rutschman in Oregon State. They apparently have an arm who is into the mid-90s as well. So, Ooh, Which one? Uh, hold on. I have to pull up the person's name i have it in a text but i've forgotten it uh then i'm going to try to mix in as much spring training stuff as i can before the minor league stuff starts in a couple of weeks minor leaguers really don't report i mean some of them are here for like mini camps and stuff but minor league games don't start until uh the march 12th 13th 14th area uh gambrel is his last name at oregon state sitting 94 95 i have seen him up to 95 before and i believe he was in our top 100 so hopefully we're not too far off but maybe he's even better uh, so like tomorrow specifically, like as this podcast is going up, the, the Oregon state game from today was moved to tomorrow. So they're going to try to have a double header before the Rangers, cause they're playing in the Rangers and Royal spring training stadium. So they have to like try to clear some of these games out, uh, so that there's not like scheduling conflicts with the Rangers and Royals. Uh, but I'm going to spend time in the West Valley this, this weekend. Um, I might try to do three games tomorrow, the two Oregon state games and the Oakland and Seattle spring training game. Uh, and then on Sunday, same thing, except I'll pro- try to double up with uh, Oregon State and Rangers-Royals Cactus League opener. Uh, so, like, that's the sort of stuff I'm I'm doing this weekend. I might slip into ASU uh, again, just like, watch hitters. I think Pepperdine is in, uh, but that might be false. My schedule's too far away to reach for it. But, yeah, like, that, that sort of stuff. Mostly Adley Rutschman and, and recalibrating my eyes by watching big leaguers, uh, especially if those big leaguers are prospects on teams that whose lists we haven't done yet because why not get video of shed long in a mariner's jersey oh crap do we have lists left Mm. 
Uh, we do. That is such a bummer. Uh, I'm going to see UCLA, who I think would be mm-hmm. – if before the season I could say who are the teams that Eric's going to see that I wish I could see, it probably would have been Oregon State and UCLA. And it just so happens UCLA's got a whole weekend series at Georgia Tech like 10 minutes away. Uh, so I'm going to go watch them probably the whole weekend and try to maybe mix in a high school game. Uh, Nassim Nunez and a couple other high school guys that are first couple rounds are, are playing this weekend. So depending on how the rain goes and scheduling and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Georgia Tech's got a handful of guys. But it was one of those teams like I'm not going to go rush out to see unless the, until they get a good matchup. And luckily they have a good matchup early. And then UCA's got Toglia, second baseman Chase Strump uh, is probably in the comp round right now. Uh, they got... Probably what a couple good freshmen, a couple good sophomores, and then some like later round juniors. Like they've they've kind of got a little bit of everything. They got some pitching. They're they're very good. I'm sure you'll end up seeing them at some point later as well. Rad. That that went past the 30 minutes. Uh, That's okay. We we stuck to it pretty close. Yeah, and there's you know there's some real uh, some, some real bad jokes for me that we'll have to pull out. So we might get it closer to 30. Um, well, for episode two of season two of the Untitled McDoggin Hagen Project, I've been Kyler McDaniel. This is Eric Longenhagen. Thanks for listening. That's a lie. That's not how that works. Spunk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was a good one. Rad.